good morning. Will you please stand as we sing this morning? There's joy in this house this morning.
feeling strong this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that you place in our hearts. Even in spite of the circumstances, you can still place joy in our hearts. We're able to worship you.
worship you today. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you that you are here. You inhabit the praises of your people. God, thank you for your joy. And thank you that in your presence you fill us up. We come empty, but you fill us up every time. So God, we empty out all the things of this week, all the things weighing us down, all the things we're holding on to that we probably shouldn't. God, we lay it all out before you. And we ask that you would fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. God, would you speak to every single heart here today? We all have different needs all have different circumstances, but one thing remains the same, is we all need you. So God, I ask that you would touch every single heart here, every mind, every spirit, and I pray that you would do what only you can do. Speak words that only they need. Speak words that just sink directly into our hearts. God, we worship you this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for healing. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine in the soil I now surrender you are breaking new ground so I yield to you and to your careful hand when I trust you I don't need to understand make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be I came here with nothing but all you have given me Jesus bring new wine In the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. You are breaking.
just saying that you're making new wine out of us even in the crushing the pressing and every part of what it takes to produce wine we know that you're producing something amazing out of the crushing out of the stomping out of everything that has to happen we know that you're producing something amazing and it's something that's going to help people it's not only for us it's for them it's for those around us, those in our orbit, those in our relationships, and those whom you will bring to our paths. So, Lord, we submit to this process. And Lord, your word says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, when Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So, Lord, we know we don't get one without the other. And so, Lord, we trust we lean into you, we rest in you, and we welcome, Lord, your process and the work that you're doing in us, that the new wine that is coming out of us will be for the benefit and for the hope and for the life of others. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You can be seated. Great to see everybody. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you today. Those of you walking on, watch, walking, I said that in the first service. Those of you walking online, those of you watching online, thanks for hanging out with us today. We welcome you into our family. We always love having our, our online family with us. And be sure, and if you have any prayer requests and you're watching online, you can go to info at bridgefpg.com. It's there on the screen. And you can write in those prayer requests. We will pray with you. That will get out to our prayer team uh, today or tomorrow, and we'll get, uh, we'll get on that. We want to pray with you and hold you up. Again, thank you. Let, always let us know if you're watching on Facebook. Comment. Let us know. Check in with us wherever you're watching from. We love to see you and love to have you. For those of you that are here, if you have any prayer needs, prayer requests, same thing. You can go to info at bridgefpg.com or you can stop at the Connect Center on the way out, fill out a prayer card, leave it with a sweet person there, and they will, or put it in any of the black boxes you see around the building, and that will get to our prayer team, and we will pray for you and hold up your arms and stand with you. If you are a first-time guest, I want to welcome you to the bridge, and we love to welcome our first-time guests with a big round of applause. So let's welcome our first-time <laughs> guests today. Great to have you. If you are a first-time guest, we have a gift for you, and Wendy's holding that bag right now, and uh, it's full of all kinds of goodies, and you can stop by our Connect Center, fill out a Connect card, and that sweet person there will give you a bag just to say thanks for showing up and hanging out with us. It's got all kinds of cool stuff in it. It's just our way of saying thank you for spending your morning with us and your time with us, and so we want to bless you in that. I want to spend some time in prayer today, 
And I uh, want to remember a couple of things. First of all, it's Memorial Day weekend, and we've got lots of folks traveling on the road. We've also had some guests with us, some wonderful guests that we got to meet this morning as well. And so, again, if you're a first-time guest, we're super happy you're here. I want to pray for our folks that are out traveling. Uh, I realized something was different on Saturday when we drove to Bernie on the I-10, and it was bumper to bumper on the I-10 the whole way. So I'm like, what's up? Oh, it's a holiday weekend, Memorial Day. Now, we want to take a moment and remember what Memorial Day is about and what it is, a federal holiday that's designated so that we can remember and give thanks for those uh, who fought in, in wars, both foreign and domestic, and who gave their lives for us. So it's a memorial, and so we want to remember them and be grateful for those who've gone before us to make sure that we have the freedoms that we have, the highest price paid possible. So we want to say thank you uh, to God for, for the lives that were given, but also for the families that took the brunt and the impact of loss as well. So pray for them. So we'll do that during our prayer time. Now, we always want to pray for our VIP. So if you have your VIP card, get it out. If you don't have one, you can always pick one up at the, at the Connection Center. And it, literally, it's about praying for people that are important that God puts on our heart. Because God lays people on our heart and imprints our heart with people because they're important to Him. And they're people that are typically in our relational sphere and in our relational circle. One side, we're praying for those who need to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. On the other, we're praying for people who are not connected. For whatever reason, there's been a disconnect with their relationship with God and probably their, dis, uh, their relationship with the body of Christ, the church, the bride. So we want to pray for those and, and lift them up, and we do this on an ongoing basis. So be sure and pick one up on your way out. Now, we're also going to pray for our church of the week. We do this every week where we take a church and, or a ministry, and we pray for them specifically. So we want to lift up Pastor Brian and Virginia Wiggins at Memorial Presbyterian Church. They're pretty new to the community. They moved during the pandemic uh, from West Texas out here to take that church. And so we want to lift them up um, and be thankful for what they're doing and welcome them to our community through prayer. Uh, if any of you know them, I know, I know Wendy knows them, but if any of you know them, let them know that we're praying for them, that we're holding them up, and we, we're asking God to bless and encourage them. And so we'll do that as well. And then always we want to pray for our nation and what's going on in our country right now and lift that up. So if you would, take a moment and let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to start by saying thank you for so great a salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are thankful because we are here to remember Jesus, even as you encourage us to do. And we're going to do that all through the service, but also in a moment through communion. Lord, there's another group of people who have gone before us, and they too have laid their lives down for us and for our freedoms here in our nation. And that's those who have served in the, in the forces, the armed forces, the military, who have given their lives, given the greatest sacrifice, so that we can have the freedoms that we enjoy. So we hold up their families. We pause to remember, but we also pray for the families and the ripple effects of that great loss upon those families. We hold them up to you before you. We also, on a local level, we lift up uh, Memorial Presbyterian Church, Pastor Brian and Virginia Wiggins. Lord, as they're new to our community, I pray that they are finding a home here and that they are finding themselves welcomed into this community. And we lift up Memorial Presbyterian and ask that you would bless, encourage, and empower them to grow and, and be the kingdom center that you call them to be. And Lord, we pray for our nation. We're a nation in crisis, and we need your help. 
And so we submit to you and we ask, God, that you would heal our land. And we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. I want to invite Pastor Jason Banks to the stage. Can you all welcome him with a big round of applause? Thank you, Pastor. Morning, family. Well, we want to uh, pray for our graduates this morning and uh, just really, really bless them and let them know how special they are to us. Also, our teachers, thank you so much for all that you do. Aaron, you're amazing. All of you guys, your educators, any of you who um, really devote your lives to raising up the next generation, you are so very important, so very vital to this society and to the next generation and upcoming. So we love you and appreciate you. Parents, you did it. But to all the youth that have a graduate, way to go. You know, we've trained them up in the way that they should go, and we will really, really trust in the Lord that they will not depart from it. So we understand and we are standing with you and praying for you as as those parents with graduates that you know, there's a level of stress that's been gotten rid of, but now there's a whole nother level of stress to worry about, right? So we're praying and standing with you in that fashion. But uh, we have three graduates this year that attend Bridge Church. Oh, Gus Spence, Sophia Littlejohn, and Hannah Stapleton. Precious, precious kids, now uh, adults. But they are, um, they are our beloved ones, and we are sending them out, commissioning them, and now we want to pray for them in Jesus' name. So will you join me? Father, we love you, and we, we just thank you so very much for the honor and the privilege of raising up the next generation of world changers and difference makers. So, Father God, we consecrate these ones to you, these precious ones, that, as your word says, we've trained them in the way that they should go, so we trust you, Father that they will not depart from it. And Lord, we commission them out into the world that they would not be conformed to the ways of this world, but that they would be transformed by the renewing of their mind and in so doing transform the world around them for the good of the kingdom and for the glory of your name. So we present them to you, we entrust them to you, and we know that you are guarding them, you are with them, that your angels surround and protect them and that whatever they do, whatever they put their hands to, whatever their minds are capable of, you are working in them and through them for the glory of your name and for the advancement of your kingdom. And we declare this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amen. family. Thank you, Pastor. If you would, turn your attention to the screen for here's what's happening at the bridge.
want to remind you, you can go to our website at bridgefpg.com and sign up for all of our events, our men's and women's events that are coming up that you just saw on the screen. You're doing a great job of registering, by the way. We're getting a lot of folks signed up, but, but we know there's a lot more. Now, guys, just I'm a dude, so I get it. We tend to be last minute. So help us out by going ahead and registering, going ahead and getting signed up. Uh, for the guys, there's no charge for our event uh, that evening. And so be sure and go ahead and sign up, and I'm going to ask a favor of your way better halves. Would you all please help your guys sign up? And so that way we'll know exactly how many to expect, and we're going to have a great time. So go to Bridge FBG and click on those events. Go to the events page scroll down. It's right there. So be sure and register for that. Also, if you came in this morning, uh, you may or may not have picked up a cup, but we want to uh, celebrate communion together right now. If you do not have a cup, I see Amy back there, and who else we got? We got David Hardison back there. Uh, They're going to be coming down the aisle there. If you'll lift up your hand, they'll get this cup to you. We practice open communion here at the bridge, so feel free to join us at the table of the Lord. All are welcome. And so they'll get those to you. Just keep your hand up so they can see you. If you will, those of you that are already here, go ahead and peel that top layer, that clear layer, uh, back. And then also after that, then you can do the gold layer. While they're getting those passed out for a moment. With this being Memorial Day weekend, of course, the words of Jesus just came right back to me where he said, When you're together like this, remember me. And I don't know if you remember or not, but you remember the old big altar tables that were in front of the pulpit in our traditional churches? Do this in remembrance of me. You remember those? We had huge ones in our church. I mean, they were massive. And they were actually beautiful pieces of furniture. And I remember those words just always right in front of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And so what we're doing is we're taking some time here today to pause and to remember Jesus, what he did. When he was with his disciples on the night before he was betrayed, and they were celebrating a meal together, a fellowship meal, he took up, while they were sitting, and he took up a piece of bread, and it would have been similar to this, just a matzah bread, unleavened. And he took it up, and he held it in front of him, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. He took up a goblet of wine, a common cup, similar to what you see on the screen, and he held it up before him and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the remission, the removal of sins. The body and the blood of Jesus given for us, spilled out for us so that we are no longer known as sinners. We are now known as saints. Because of Jesus and what he did. He changed our names. He changed our identity. So now I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. There's a big difference there. Because that's my identity in Christ. And if you're in Christ, it's your identity too. And it was because of what Jesus did for us that we have a new name. A new identity. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are no longer just old, rotten sinners. We are saints, chosen people, priests, your children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And sometimes we, we mess up, we make mistakes, we miss the mark. And yet your blood covers 
You died once for all. And we are so grateful for that. We remember that. We remember you today, the ultimate sacrifice. And we are grateful. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You can take the elements. If you would, hang on to those till the end of the service on your way out. You can drop those in any of the trash receptacles. That would help us out greatly. We want to dismiss our children, their Bridge Kids class. Let's take a moment and pray for them. If you would, join me in prayer. Father, we lift up our children. We're so grateful for them. Would you encourage them today in their classes today as they learn more about you, about the stories of the Word, stories of the Bible, about Jesus himself, and about you being a good and loving Father. Bless and encourage them. Thank you for our teachers, our leaders, our facilitators, our helpers, our instructors. Encourage and anoint them today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause for our kids as they head out to their classes. Bless them. As they do so and they make their way out, we want to talk about generosity and giving here in our church. I want to say thank you because you're amazing. The pandemic did something different. It actually shifted the weight and the way we, we do offerings. And, you know, for years, for all of us, it's been, you know, a plate or a bag or wherever kind of church you came from that came down the aisle and, and you would give your offering and there was always a, those awkward moments, right? And so... Um, what pandemic did for us is it, it allowed us to now uh, give online and it, it sort of created a new avenue and a new on-ramp for us. And so here's what I want to say to you and encourage you in. It's no less spiritual to give online than it is to give here in person. I know sometimes it feels different doing it on your phone or doing it on your computer, you know, and hitting send or, or enter and it feels maybe like less spiritual, but it's not. And so I want to encourage you in that. And even when you do give, if you're giving online, be sure and just say, Lord, as I send this, as I hit this button, bless this, bless it, use it, multiply it so that it makes a difference for many. Uh, one of my favorite parts of what we do is we get to show you who we are getting to bless and who we are walking with and partnering with in ministry. And there's a lot of different ones. And I've had people say, I really don't know what all those are, so I'm going to begin to unpack those things not this week, but we're going to start unpacking these one at a time just so you'll get an idea of what these represent and who these represent. And so get your eyes on one of those ministries, maybe even one you don't know, and let's just pray for them and encourage them even as we do our offering today. So we don't pass a plate anymore, but you'll notice the black boxes around. And uh, so if you brought your offering today, simply take that to one of the black boxes. You can put your offering in there. For those of you who have already given online, thank you. It's blessed, and we are so thankful for you. Let's pray together as we get ready to give. In fact, why don't we all stand together as we pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of giving. Lord, we don't give haphazardly. We don't give like we're at a Kiwanis club or something. We give as the, as the bride of Christ, the kingdom of God. We give on purpose and with purpose. We are sowing good seed into good soil, knowing it's going to produce a great harvest, a great harvest of transformation a great harvest of lives. We pray for the ministries that we're blessed to support. and We recognize we don't give to the church, we give through the church. And we see, Lord, that lives are being transformed all over the world, Africa, Pakistan, Mexico, right here in our own backyard. And we are grateful that we get to participate and partner with these great ministries. Bless them today. May they know they're loved, they're supported, and they're encouraged. In Jesus' name.
everyone said, amen, amen. Let's worship together.
Yes, Lord, you are the one who has conquered it all. And because you've conquered it, we come in on your, on the, on your coattails, literally, we ride in this victory. And we are grateful for it today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You can be seated. about you, but I grew up with my parents and my grandparents every summer without fail making ice cream in this pale looking thing, this bucket, this big bucket, and it had this big blue faded out rusted metal, I'm sure it would not be approved for use today, but it was this rusted metal thing that set over the top of it and then a big canister on the inside. Anybody ever make ice cream growing up, right? Now, you got to understand, this was like old school, so it actually had a crank on it, and I was the designated cranker, because I loved it. I was the kid, like, let me do it, let me do it, and then after about five minutes, I'm dying. I'm like, somebody else do this, and I don't know about you, but listen, let's just be honest as kids right here. Can we just go back? Maybe you have a hard time remembering. Maybe you want to forget. I don't know, but how many of you as kids took rock salt in your hand and tasted it? Okay, I see some hands here. All right, I'm not the only kid that did that. How many of you did it more than once? Ugh, I know. What were we thinking, right? So the same, but there was, so, I mean, rock salt was so pungent. It was so strong that when you took it, it would just, like, make you pucker, right? It was just so stout. But then we had this weird, like, I want to try that again. So, so having rock, rock salt was a big deal, and it was a part of the process. In fact, if you did not use salt, you could not make ice cream because it would create the ability for that to freeze right there in front of you. Now, fast forward a little bit. I grew up in Lubbock, right? Grew up in the city. And then my dad, being a, a firefighter, and he always had this dream of living in the country, so he finally walked it out, and we ended up between Post and Tohoka, Texas, in the middle of pretty much nowhere, in the middle of a cotton field right on the edge of the cap rock there, and, uh, and dad was like living his dream while we're out in the boonies, right, just trying to figure it out. We had 17 acres. We had a big stock tank on it. We had a nice big barn and a corral, which we had to do a lot of work and fixing up on when we moved there. And so I ended up getting to live in both the city and the country growing up. So I kind of had the best of both worlds. Pretty amazing, actually. And so I remember this, this my granddad was so excited. And my grandparents, they moved their place out bias, so we all lived on the same little piece of property, and I remember my granddad, he had a 1971 
C10 pickup. Anybody remember those? No power steering, had a 350 in it, no power brakes. I mean, this was a bare bones truck. And uh, I drove that thing all over the countryside. Well, it had a massive steering wheel on it because it had to because there was no power steering. And so I remember him going to the feed store one time, and when he got back, he drives up in this truck, and he drops a tailgate. And I'm like, what's you got, granddad? And he's like, uh, I've got some salt licks. I'm like, what's a salt lick? I'd never heard of that in my life. He says, for the cows. It's for, he's going to put it out. So I'm going to put this out in the pasture. Now, remember, I was the kid that ate salt Rock salt, right? Can I get an honest show of hands of how many of you, as young people, put your tongue on a salt lick? Now, let me, okay, that's, I get it. I, I did too, right? Right there when no one was looking, I made sure Granny had turned around. So, I didn't do the mineral block, so I don't know if you did that. I hope not. You did. Okay. How was it? Yeah, it wasn't good. Okay. So, I mean, it was strong, Right? So here's the thing. How many of you actually did it after it had been out in the pasture for a while? <laughs> what? Seriously? Oh, my gosh. We got a hand back there. Wow. I thought there would be no hands there. Okay. So anyway, all right. So anyway, you know, it was for them, and, and I found out later that it was for their health. They had to have it. Now, I don't know about you. If you ever played sports, I played basketball, football, ran track, did all that. But during football two-a-days, it was always brutal hot where we live, like 100 degrees. We're out there doing two-a-days in August before school starts back up. And guess what our trainers were pumping us full of? Anybody remember this? Salt pills, salt tablets. I mean, lots of Gatorade, lots of salt tablets. I mean, just constantly because our body was sweating so profusely working out that we had to have our minerals, we had to have that sodium chloride replenished in our body. Salt is an important part of who we are. And here's the thing you're going to do. We'll have some factoids on salt. But one of them is this. You cannot live without it. It is necessary to sustain life. It's very important. We've been started in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, is the sermon that Jesus preached, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And it's one of his greatest uh, as far as just a dialogue, I mean, this is one of his greatest sermons, the greatest pieces that we have from him. That is a long, direct, specific, and practical teaching. And what I want to do is walk through the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to cherry pick some of the things out of there because here's the thing. We need help. I'll, let me just talk about me. I need help for daily living. I need the Bible to be practical. I mean, I can get in there and, and spar with the best theologically. That's why I went to college and, and got my master's degree in, in theology. But that's not joyful. I want to know what works in real life, don't you? Don't you need help on Tuesday afternoon at 1.30 or Thursday morning at 10.15? That's when we need help, where we live, where we work, and where we play. And the Sermon on the Mount is so practical. And Jesus delivered it beautifully. Now, there's a great scene. If you've been keeping up with the Chosen series, it's a series about Jesus and his disciples. They're in season two now. We're actually one of the ministries we support and that we're a part of and we're partnering with. In the fifth episode, which was the one that was just released last week, there's a great scene in there where Jesus is sitting with John the Baptist, who, by the way, is his cousin, remember? And they're talking and they're dialing. It's a beautiful scene. Just them back and forth talking about growing up. They're laughing about some things. And then another scene happens where Jesus 
is out by this small lake or small pond, and he had mentioned to John the Baptist, his cousin, who Simon Peter calls Creepy John, uh, because, you know, he's out in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey and stuff. He's a wild man. But when they were dialoguing, uh, John was pushing Jesus to go public. He said, when are you going to start? When's this going to happen? When are you going to get to work? I can't wait. And Jesus says, you got to wait. There's, there's the right time. He says, but I'm working on something. And he says, what is? He said, I'm working on a sermon. And he said, it's going to be big. Sermon on the Mount, right? Set up. So in a few moments, you sh- they flash to a scene, and he's standing out by sort of a body of water, and he's rehearsing the Sermon on the Mount. He's actually talking to himself about it. He's going over thoughts about it. Did you ever think that maybe Jesus, who was not the Son of God, even though he was technically, but he really on the earth, before he died and was resurrected, before he was crucified, was the Son of Man. He got his information the same way you and I do. That is in a dialogue and in communion with God. And he had to get it the same way we do. And he was out there practicing. I thought that was great. But Jesus in this now starts with the Beatitudes. We talked about those over the last few weeks. You can go back in our archives on our website and find those sermons if you're interested in listening to those. And so he took us through the nine Beatitudes, the last one being, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. When you're persecuted for doing the right thing, he says, blessed are you, you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. That was the last one he finished with. So all of those lead up to this, the very next line in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And remember this, he was up on a hillside. It's called the Mount of the Beatitudes now, today. And it's a ridge that goes up from the Lake of Galilee and looks out over the lake. It's absolutely stunning when you're up on top of that ridge. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. You can see the lake, and it's beautiful and green all around the lake. It's a beautiful place. And it was the place where Jesus went to get away. And it only made sense that he would go there to do this and deliver this amazing sermon on the mount. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, all of his disciples and many from the, co- the communities that are around the lake had heard about Jesus. His fame was rising, and they wanted to know, okay, is it possible that this is actually the Messiah, the one we have been waiting for. So they're coming out, some out of curiosity, some out of need. They needed to be healed and made whole. Some just to see what the spectacle was all about. But here they are, surrounded by Jesus, and he says these words. He says to all these people sitting there, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read that verse for many years, and honestly, for many years, I didn't get the full meaning of this verse. It's kind of worded strangely, and it doesn't even make sense to me. Because what I learned about sodium chloride, salt, is that it never loses its saltiness. It's a mineral. The taste will never go away. The The potency and the pungency will never go away. You can dissolve it. You can break it up and all that. But the actual itself, the mineral itself, will never lose its taste. Why would Jesus say if it loses its taste, it'll never be made salty again? 
Well, actually, what he said was this, and it's actually a Greek colloquialism that's used in several places in the New Testament. This is the only place in the New Testament that it's translated this way, and some writers say, eh, the translators should have stuck with the original translation. Here's what he actually was saying. But if salt, he's calling them salt, and I'll just say it the way he would say it. You are the salt of the earth, and if you become like a fool... How will your saltiness be restored? In the Proverbs, it says those who, who commune with a fool, act with a fool, fool, argue with a fool, will become as a fool. Jesus is saying, look, if you don't act like who you are, you are the salt of the earth. And I'll explain a little more about that. He said, if you're not acting like the salt of the earth that you are called to be, then you're acting like the fool. And that cannot be restored. He said... How can it be restored? How can your saltiness be restored if you're acting like a fool? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Needed to understand some things about salt. First of all, salt in the first century was extremely, extremely valuable. It was a valuable commodity. Life could not be sustained without it, but there are many things that had to do with the Jewish culture that could not be done without it. For example, koshering. So let me talk a little bit about that. One of the guidelines of the Jewish religious tradition is that eating meat containing blood is forbidden. That came out of the Levitical laws, out of the, out of the early covenant. Jews had to find a way to drain blood from meat, which led to the process of koshering. They would kosher meat by using a type of coarse-grained salt to drain blood from the meat, thereby making it kosher, thereby making it legal for them to eat and partake of. In fact, interesting fact to it is that kosher salt, you can even today find kosher salt in the store. And kosher salt is actually no different mineral-wise from rock salt, from uh, table salt, from sea salt, from pink sea salt, at the end of the day, they're all the same thing. They're sodium chloride. The difference is the size of the grains that make it more usable for them in the process of koshering. And so it was a valuable commodity because it was used to preserve and to create meat that they could literally eat legally. Here's another thing about salt. I said this before, but it's the same. Salt cannot lose its saltiness. Jesus is using an absurd statement, absurdity. He's using an excessive statement to make the point that as salt in the earth, we will remain and never lose our influence. Let me say it like this. You are the salt of the earth, and you are here to stay. And why is that important? Here's why it's important. Because we live in a day where culturally right now, our culture is in our face. In fact, let me just say it like this. Our culture is in our hand. We have a screen video view into a constant barrage of news, information, and content. And the human soul, according to John Eldridge, was never meant to bear the weight of what we see every day. This is why this is taking some people out, spinning people out, because we bury ourselves in our phones and our laptops and our tablets and our desktops and we find ourselves spinning out on information and content. 
that not 50, 60, 70 years ago you had to go to a movie and watch a newsreel to get. And you only got a fraction of it at that time. Now everybody's got a phone. In fact, there's hardly a scene that you see a video of a, of a, where it's a riot or a shooting or an accident where, where 50 people don't have their phones out and they're videoing. It's a different world. It's a different culture. My granddaddy would have said this, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, boy. That's just the way he would have put it. And I would agree having no idea what that means. Sounds bad. Growing up, I don't even know what that means, but it must be bad. But here's the thing. No matter where the culture goes, we're not going away, family. Did you know in the Isaiah it says this, that of his kingdom there will be no end. That concerning the kingdom of God is ever-increasing And of that kingdom, there will be no end. The promise is, is that no matter what happens in the world, we're not in it, we're not of it, we're in it, but we're not of it. We live in a different place, a different place mentality-wise, and we have to constantly recalibrate our mindset to what the Bible says about the world. Oh, but it's so easy to get taken out, and I know that because it happens to me too. I mean, I get sucked into, I pull up my Yahoo News in the morning, I click on, talk about clickbait, I click on it, it throws me into another page with 70 more articles coming at me, all in the general area. I'm going, oh, that looks interesting, boom. Oh, that looks interesting. And before long, I'm running down the path just like everybody else. I'm just like a fish on a hook. I'm just caught, largemouth bass, just caught, flopping around. Got me, Er. And then my news feed's filled with all that stuff from then on after that, all this stuff. It's the world we live in, but there has to be a time where we recalibrate ourselves. How do we do that? Well, I liken it to something that happened to me growing up, talking a lot about my grandparents, speaking to my grandmother. I remember being in her bathroom one time. And do you all remember, any of you of my age-ish, there may be some of these still around, but do you remember the metal uh, bathroom scales? They were always rusted. It could not be safe, I'm just saying. And they were always rusted, and we had, my, Granny had a, a white one. It had a little dial window in it, and it was never, ever did I see it on the zero. <laughs> Probably to her favor, I'm thinking, once I learned this. What I didn't realize until one day as I got a little older, I was looking, I've seen that thing all my life, and I was like, why is that thing broke? It's never on the zero, and I noticed a knob on the bottom a little metal knob, and I went, got down there, and I turned that knob, and the dial moved. I went, oh, you have to calibrate the scale because apparently, however it's made, it gets off. Maybe to my granny's favor. I'm just saying. And so I recalibrated the scale by turning the knob. I don't know if that was a blessing for my grandmother or not the next time she stepped on the scale, but I'm saying you can recalibrate that thing by turning a knob. And we have to do something. I have to do this. I have to constantly recalibrate my mindset by getting back into the Word of God and saying this. Am I going to believe what the culture is telling me, what the media is telling me, what celebrities are telling me, what politicians are telling me, or am I going to believe what God's Word says about the world in which I live? I have to make a decision 
a conscious quality decision every day to believe what the Bible says. Call it archaic, I don't care. Call me out of it, I don't care about that either. I want to have a biblical mindset as I approach the issues of the world in which we live. And not just buy in to the word of the day, the voice of the day, the news of the day. Recalibration. I encourage you to do it. You have to do it by spending time. Why is this important? Because if the salt is not salty anymore. By the way, you ever called somebody salty? Man, that guy's salty. Ooh, she's salty. I mean, what we're saying is they're spicy. They're, they've got an edge to them. You know what I'm saying? But to be salty as a follower of Jesus is a compliment. To be salt in a world that needs help, that needs preservation, that needs protection. Let me share it this way. Let me say it this way. Salt had a high value in the first century. Jesus was no doubt speaking of the value of Christ's followers scattered throughout the earth as, and as individuals. You are the salt of the earth means you are of great value. And I want to say this to everybody here and those of you watching online as well. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus is saying to you, you are of tremendous value. You matter. What you do matters. What you say matters. Even what you think matters. And how you think matters. You are of great value to the world. Book of Acts, early chapters, particularly chapter 2, when the outpouring of the Spirit came at Pentecost, right? They were together, gathered, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and boom, the church as we know it is born. I mean, in one fell swoop, later in Acts chapter 10, at Cornelius' house, the rest of us get to join in. That was Jews at Pentecost. We were at Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house where the Gentiles were now grafted in as a wild vine to the actual vine. So here we are. And in the first century, all this happens. And all these Christians are so excited. Now, here's what happens. Early on, Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he says, you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes to point. You're going to be my witnesses all over the place. He promises that. Forty days later, it happens. On that day, the Bible says that 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. When Peter, go big or go home, Peter steps up, preaches the first gospel message as we know it, and it says about 3,000 were saved. Now, you have to understand something. Ladies, I'm sorry to break this news to you, but they didn't count women and children. So if there were 3,000 heads there, it was actually probably more like could have been 10, 12, 15,000 people when you count children because they were there for Pentecost. So the whole family was together. Everybody was there. But they only guesstimated around 3,000 because they just looked for the men. About 3,000 men were there. Well, you add their families together, it could have been a very large number. That many people came to Christ in one fell swoop. Man, that was a banner day in the kingdom. Now, what happened after that as we read through chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, into 6, is that, that the Christians are excited. that They're meeting together from house to house. They're meeting under Solomon's portico, which was a huge 
covered area part of the temple and they were all gathering together and they were causing no small stir in Jerusalem. In fact, Rome, it got Rome's attention, it got the Sanhedrin's attention, which was the religious rulers, the ruling body of that time. And they were all concerned about all these followers of the way meeting together. They were signs and wonders were happening, miracles happening, Holy Spirit was showing up. Man, revival was happening. The first real deal revival in the new church age was happening right then. And the hammer of Rome came down on them. I likened them together under Solomon's portico, kind of like a salt lick. They were all clumped together. They were all stuck together. What had Jesus just told them they were going to do? In Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world, preaching, teaching, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Boom. Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, I mean everywhere. Go, go, go. And they were stay, stay, staying. Let me say this. I want everybody to listen to this point. God has a plan for you. And if you're not willing to go where he calls you to go, Because he loves you so much, he will get you there. But it may not be so fun. God has a way of getting us where we need to be, when we need to be, and ready to go. But it, you can, it's kind of the old, you can go willingly, or we can do it if you're a New York cop, we can do it this, you know, the hard way. I mean, it's it's how we position and posture our heart. But here's the deal. He'll get you where you need to be. And what happened was the hammer of Rome, persecution came down. What the world sees, or the Bible talks about persecution, is actually God's missionary program. And it's called the dispersion. They were actually, when the, Rome, when the hammer of Rome came down, and actually people lost their lives over it, they were crucifying Christians right and left up on the hillside. I mean, by the dozens, they were killing them every day, trying to get rid of these followers of the way. And what happened When the hammer of Rome came, it would be like me taking a beaker, standing right here, taking a beaker of mercury and pouring it out on the ground. What's going to happen? It'll probably go all the way to the back of the room. It's going to go everywhere. When the hammer of Rome came down, the dispersia happened, the dispersion. They were dispersed. And the gospel went out through all of the known world at the time. And it was actually God's missionary program. They became salt that went out through all of the culture of the time and began to season, impact, and affect the culture. And it was God's way of getting them out there. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. We just heard about that. There was a, a young man. I was meeting with a group. I was at a church in Midland, Texas, and Every Wednesday night, we'd go to Bible study, and then there's a group of us guys going through this book called The Purple Book. It's a book on on discipleship. So us guys, we'd all get together, we'd go to church, then we'd go to IHOP. Nine o'clock at night, we're ordering a Grand Slam breakfast, you know what I'm saying? And we're just going for it, right? It's amazing, I don't weigh 400 pounds. So so we would meet together, we'd get in the Word together, and there was this one guy, and he was new to Christ. He had just been baptized in our church, and so we got him into our groups. Hey, come on, let's meet together. He went with us, and I remember us sitting at IHOP one night. He said, man, I got a problem, Jimmy, and he talked to all of us. He said, he said guys, I, I, I work for a beer distributorship. That's my job. And he said, I've been there for years. He said, I started 
I started in the warehouse as a nobody, and now I've got the largest route in the whole thing. And I know everybody in the area. I, I go to Midland, Odessa, all the surrounding areas, Andrews, all these areas. I, I, I'm that guy. And he said, but I, I, I'm a Christian now. I'm delivering beer for a living to clubs and, and whatnot. And I looked at him. I said, that's awesome. He's like, what? And the other guys were like, yeah, because they knew where I was going with it. I said, I said, that's great. I said, you're getting to be what Jesus said we're supposed to be, salt. You're going into places I won't go. I won't ever get there. I said, do the, do the managers of these, the owners of these clubs like you? He goes, oh, they love me. I know them. I know all about their kids. I know all about their family. I've taken time to get to know them. Yeah, they know me. I would consider them friends. I said, Bro, you are exactly where you need to be. I said, could it be that God put you there long before you became a follower of Jesus because he knew where you were going and what and who you would become? And I said, put it before Jesus, then do what he says. But I'm saying, I think you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be salt. Came back the next week. I said, well, how's it going? Still got a job? He goes, man, not only do I have a job, I'm more excited about it than I've ever been in my life because now I know why I'm there. To this day, he's still working for that company. And he is, a, he is salt in all those places. Let me tell you, some of you right now are struggling where you're at in life because you're thinking, as soon as I can get out of here, as soon as I get something better comes along, I'm just going to keep looking at Indeed.com. I'm going to keep looking. I'm, I, there's got to be something more for me. And could it be, family, that the God who said you are the salt of the world, that you are in a place right now because you're supposed to be there to be salt? A couple things about salt. This is important. Healing properties of salt. Listen to this. Salt contains important minerals like sodium chloride, which contribute to regulating acid levels in the body, supporting digestion, relieving skin conditions, curing canker sores, of all things, cleaning the throat and nose. Who, have you, who, made it, who here has used a neti pot? Y'all are weird. That's intentionally drowning yourself. Ah, I can't stand the water in my nose. I, I couldn't do it. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are heroes. Cleaning the throat nose, the relaxation of muscles, nourishing your hair. The human body cannot sustain or live without salt. You can't survive without salt. That's how important and how valuable salt is. Could it be you're right where you're supposed to be, at least in this season? Don't be so quick to quit and run. We have a guy in our church. I'm not going to say his name. But he has a big tattoo on his arm that says, Justified. He's a bouncer. He keeps the peace at an establishment here in our community. And we've had this conversation before. First of all, if there was ever something to break out in that place, I'd want him there beside me. I'm just saying. Second of all, I actually happen to believe that just like the last situation I talked, to, talked about is that God put him there for a reason. I like to know whether you're a peacekeeper in that 
form, whether you're a police officer, a detective, a firefighter, an attorney, whoever you are, I like to know that the people that are on the front lines and in these positions are people who are salt, are people who love Jesus. You know, if we all left every job we didn't like because people cussed around us or because it wasn't always a great environment, because we'd rather work at a church, man, we would never be salt to the world. Could it be that you are exactly where you're supposed to be around those reprobate co-workers who talk, who are filthy? Folks, geez, can we grow up a little bit? Man, that's the world. Don't get mad at them for cussing. That's, get mad at a lost person for acting lost. Now, if they're Christians, call them out. But, man, God's put you right in the middle where you can be effective and touch lives and change lives and be salt, to be the healing property of salt, to bring healing and hope and life and grace wherever you are. Be salty, family. Be salty where you are. Can we get our worship team up here? You guys come on up. We're going to go out with worship, celebration. You are the salt of the world. Be salty. Can you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word that convinces us, convinces us that we are where we need to be. I pray for my friends and my family here today. They would find grace wherever they find themselves. That there's more than enough grace for the place and where they are right now. As they pray, Lord, if they're supposed to go, tell them to go. And, Lord, may they hear you with a clear, clear voice, hear your voice. But if not, Lord, give them the grace to stay and be salt. Where they live, where they work, where they play. That's our heart today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, let's all stand together. Let's go out with worship.
Father, we love you. We honor you. Lord, we receive your word implanted into the soil of our hearts, trusting that it will bring forth a great harvest, trusting that you are going to disperse us as you need us to be, where we live, where we work, where we play. Lord, that we may be salty, that we may be the salt of the earth right where we are. Give us grace this week to lean into every circumstance, situation, every place we find ourselves, knowing that you have ordered our steps and you're delighting in the details of our lives. We receive the challenge. We receive the admonition. We receive the charge from your heart and from your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.